Courtside Indiana podcast is brought to you by Metro Indy Basketball Fall League. The 14th annual Fall League runs from Sundays, October 11th through November 1st. For more information and to register, visit MetroIndyBasketball.com. Also, Box Out Sports, the best sports graphics platform. Built for speed and control with your organization in mind. Try it now for free at BoxOutSports.com. Welcome to episode 43 of Courts at Indiana podcast. This is Jim Reamer. I'm flying solo tonight. Zach Tyler is is traveling with his new favorite college basketball team, uh, which I probably imagine is a vacation. And Barney O'Neill is is tending to family business and I think some work business too. So so tonight it's just going to be me. So it'll be a little bit shorter, which, you know, since I do most of the talking will surprise people but but yeah we've got more uh more direct content to discuss and less vague topics or fewer vague topics so uh we, we've gotten through some of these uh, the couple first couple during the season a little bit quicker but we're gonna go right uh, into uh, updating the recruiting from this past week the recruiting news from this past week we're gonna i want to do a little bit an additional deeper dive on jalen washington now that i've had a chance to see him play and then we're going to finish off with best game, best team, best player, and and that'll be the show. So the updates this week as far as recruiting goes, uh, Jaden Brewer had received an offer from IUPUI, and Isaiah Stafford picked up two offers this week, one from Division One school, Chicago State, the other one from Division Two school, Southern Indiana. Isaiah Davis picked up a, a scholarship offer from Trinity Christian and an NAI school. And Braden Smith picked up an offer from North Texas, which is a Division I school. And Jake Moynihan from Seton Catholic picked up a, an NAI offer from Lincoln College. So Jaden continues to sort of slowly pull in Division I offers. His situation at Ben Davis is still, is still incomplete. And kind of Gabe McNary is going through the same thing at, at Avon or at uh, Warren Central, and 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 um, um, Antonio Lizenby is also going through the same thing at North Central. At North Central, which is three guys that transferred away from Avon have not been cleared yet to play, and not sure the particulars with Lizenby or with McNary if they have a. a you know, a ver or a bona fide change of residence, but we're still waiting on the Brewer situation, which is again him deciding to go to the school in the in the district where he lives, and we're, we're sitting on that. They're waiting on the hearing from the Department of Education, is my understanding. Don't know what the time frame on that is, but Jaden continues to be a good teammate at Ben Davis and is is playing JV. And I, you know, I assume he's, he's staying pretty sharp and ready to go, and and still getting pretty good reps with the varsity team. So, you know, good luck to all three of those guys. Uh, you know, I, I I respect a school's decision to uh, contest these situations. I guess that's the mechanism under which programs have control, have any any sense of control, but. You know, I, again, I don't know the particulars for Lizenby and McNary. The Lizenby one, I should should be pretty easy for me to follow up on. I, you know, 
didn't wasn't sure I was going to go down this path when I looked at the sort of our plan sheet for tonight. Uh, but you know, those are two talented guys that are going to be helping their schools just as Brewer will be able to help Ben Davis. And, you know, I don't know. My, my feelings are they should, especially Brewer, should be allowed to play. If McNary and Lizenby decided if, if they had a bona fide change of residence, they should also be allowed to play. Uh, but, I, again, I don't know the particulars. So moving on, uh, Jake Moynihan is, with his NAI offer, He you know, he's a kid that I think no matter what level he plays at, he's going to rebound the heck out of it and he's going to battle defensively and rebounding tends to translate to the next level. So if you're a great rebounder in high school, you're probably going to be a pretty good rebounder in college. If you continue to be a great rebounder in college, you're probably going to be a pretty good rebounder at the professional level. And so, so whoever ends up getting Jake is going to get a heck of, you know, a heck of a rebounder, a guy who's going to clean up possessions He's going to battle on the offensive glass. And, and again, what I got a chance to see this fall, he was expanding his game facing the basket, and I thought he shot up pretty well, and that bodes well for a kid that's you know 6'7 and, and doesn't necessarily rely on super athleticism or have the ability to rely on super athleticism. He's strong. He's, he's a kid that understands positioning, and his motor is just pretty much endless from the times I've seen him. Isaiah Davis had a strange week. I think the offer came uh, sort of quickly, but that's fine. Uh, you know, he's uh, it's a situation where he's got a chance at his size to, you know, with the way he shoots the ball at his size, you know, to be, you know, to, to play at a competitive, you know, Division two level. And a lot of his offers are at the Division two offers so, or Division two level so far, or at least his first few. So he's he's going to get a chance, you know, hopefully this spring to show a little bit more, you know, in, in, to college coaches who hopefully will get a chance to come out. The Isaiah Stafford offers, you know, he's off to a great start for Addicts. Addicts is going to be, you know, one of the top teams in the state most of the year. I mean, pretty much all year in what is a loaded Indianapolis area. And he had a really good game against Brownsburg. I, I would say he had a really good final three quarters. But he is he's leading addicts in scoring. I think he shoots the ball pretty well. I don't know much about his shot creation as far as creating for others, but he's you know he's a primary ball handler for them. And you know on a, on a talented team he is the leading scorer of that team. So and, and I you know in the Brownsburg game Brownsburg has three really good perimeter defenders and, and Isaiah figured it out and figured out a ways to get good shots. He didn't force a lot of stuff and he, he looked good, especially in the second half when, when the game got a little looser, got a little freer and he, he looked good when he, when he did get a chance to get a clean look. So pretty effective game for him. Addicts ended up winning and uh, you know, that's a, that's a good win because Brownsburg's a heck of a defensive team and, and, you know, for my money, obviously, Pierce Thomas was still the best player on the floor. And, you know, Pierce was really strong going down the stretch. But Stafford had a great game. So so that's where we are with updates on recruiting updates. The, the big topic last week that we went with was discussing Jalen Washington. Zach Tyler had a chance to watch him play. 
And, and it was what you would expect. It, I think it was his first or second game back. He was still shaking the rust off a little bit. He does play with a knee brace. And I also think that Gary West has to figure out how to play with him. And, and in that case, play with Mason Nicholson. And we wanted to follow up this weekend on it because I got a chance to see him play uh, yesterday at Southport. And not only do I think I saw a little bit of a different player, a, a more confident player, but I think if I remember what Zach said last week was they didn't play much with Mason Nicholson. And this week they did. They played a lot. They did, Mason did not start. Nicholson didn't start. But he came in and, and played an awful lot, and they had a lot of minutes together. And it was it was effective. They, I do think that that group, at least from what I saw yesterday, Gary West could work a little harder on defense. They could be a little bit more intense, you know, bring a little bit more intensity. Sometimes it looks like only Peterson and Nicholson are out there really digging in and, and, you know, getting into people. They, they tried to have a stretch in the, you know, in the, in the uh, fourth quarter to get that done, you know, and, and it made a difference. And I think when they do that the whole game, then, you know, they're, they're going to be able to, you know, there'll be a really big threat come March. Talent wise, Gary West is, is probably as good as it gets in the state. You know, they've got a, a high major, they've got a high major prospect who's 6'9, 6'10, and they've got two or three other Division I candidates. So there, there's no question they should be able to, uh, they should be able to put enough talent on the, on the floor to, to beat anybody in the state. And then they bring guys off the bench like Perry and Robinson, who, who are a good outside shooter. And man, he's a strong kid. Zach liked him a lot last week, and I, I did too this week. He does not start for them, uh, but he comes off the bench plays a big role for them. And I, I really liked him. So it took Gary West, you know, most of the game to pull away finally from Southport and get the W. You know, I will say Southport's pretty talented. They, they've got four sophomores that will log a lot of minutes for them this year. All four will start when, when uh, AJ Dantzler is playing. Dantzler is coming off of, of a knee sur- or of a knee injury of his own, a knee surgery. They intend to not play him back to back game on back to back nights and kind of teasing him a little bit last yesterday at Southport for some load management. But but it's smart. He's young. There's no reason to risk it. They don't know what his full status is as far as if he's 100%, 75%, whatever it is. You know, he looked uh, he looked in good spirits. He was he was being a good teammate, cheering his guys on. And, and in his absence, you know, it, it gave um, Keon Miller, the other sophomore guard for them, a chance to step up. And, and man, he was really good in the second half against Gary West. He was really hitting shots. He was hitting a variety of shots. And and I I was really impressed with him. Their other two sophomores were Anthony Ball, Nickens Limba. Both are 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, athletic forwards. You know, they gave Jalen Washington a lot of fits. They Jalen had his shot blocked a couple times. And I'm probably going to give a rosier review than what Zach even gave. Not that Zach didn't give him a good review last week, but I just think I saw a more confident player, a more active player uh, to, to a certain degree. There aren't, it's not all positive for Jalen, at least his performance yesterday, uh, but, it, but it looked good and, and his potential is, is super. You know, the, sticking with Jalen, and we'll get back to the, the Southport kids here in a second. You know, Jalen came out, his first, first basket was a three. And he looked good shooting it. And you're kind of thinking, okay, you know, it'd been a while since I'd seen him play. Didn't know. I, I knew that he was, you know, 
definitely wanting more to be, you know, develop a face up skill, face up skill set. His second shot came out, looked equally good. And you start thinking, okay, this is, this wasn't a, you know, this wasn't a fluke. Not, I'm talking about the way they use him. And there was purpose in getting him those touches. And by the third and fourth three that he hit, you're thinking this is definitely going to be a big part of his game. And he looks good doing it. It is not, his shot is efficient. He's got a quick release. He's got a pretty high release. So it's 6'9", whatever, you know, 6'10", with his length. It's going to be hard to bother it. And he just looked completely comfortable shooting it. And they had no problems going to him for that look. I really like his overall offensive game in terms of what his what his purpose is. At 6'9", he, he, he was not afraid to post. He was not a guy who, who just floated on the perimeter. They, they brought him through some cuts into some post-ups. There were a few possessions where he just simply came down and posted up. So he was not just somebody floating around. Now, catching it in the post and, and getting into a shot was a different story. He struggled there. Some of it was just mostly the physicality of Lemba and, and Ball. Both those guys are stronger than him, even though the, even though he's a year older. Um, but he's got a higher center of gravity. He's got a he's got a thinner core, and and those guys are both kind of man among boys out there on the court. Uh, his shot was bothered at the rim. Both Lemba and Ball were able to get up and 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 block him. One time Lemba was called for a foul that I did not think was a foul. But through it all, he Washington battled. He didn't back away from it. He didn't avoid contact. You know, he struggled with his footwork, but he did not avoid the physicality. And that there's a lot to be said for that, especially for a kid coming back off injury. So definitely a plus there, even though he, you know, he he needs to improve his feel around the basket. He needs to improve his understanding of where he is in relationship to the rim maybe even in relationship to the guy defending him, you know, and then the progression there is understanding where the help's coming from or where the double's coming from, especially the double. The help is a little bit easier to see because by then your eyes are forward and you're ready to roll. But the, but the help from the double team is a completely different thing. And he struggled with that. So, but again, he's, you know, he's young and he missed a whole year of basketball. The one disappointing thing about Jalen was, he didn't offer much help defensively in the paint, especially now you can understand a kid. If he's out there guarding a perimeter player or guarding a player on the perimeter, I don't know what his lateral quickness was before again with his core that needs development, his high center of gravity. He's got, you know, he's got longer legs. He's going to have a hard time being as laterally quick you know, lateral quickness is not going to be the best athletic trait that he has given his body type. And you put him in a position where he has to guard somebody on the perimeter. You know, you're going to want to make sure you've got some help. Maybe that's one step closer, but where he could make an impact is when he's defending in the paint or when he's helping in the paint, defending in the paint, he was fine. His guy catches the ball. He was good being vertical. He was good being disciplined. I don't remember him picking up any any silly fouls. But off the ball is where he could also make an impact, and he he didn't really offer at it at all. And there were some times where Southport, you know, where the, the defender wasn't completely beaten. So sometimes that can be a little troubling for younger guys. Do I really need to give help? Is my guy beaten? 
but if you got a guy on your hip in the paint, you need help. And he just kind of watched plays go by him. Now, for me, my my first view of it, it's an awareness thing. It's it's not an unwillingness. He was, you know, your your attention is split between your your man and the ball. And maybe he didn't want to help. You know, maybe he's making decisions that he doesn't want to help and give his guy an easy basket. So maybe he's used to playing with Mason Nicholson, who who erases a lot of mistakes back there. But there were times where the play went by him and he didn't offer at it. And, and that's something hopefully he gets a chance to learn. Um, you know, he gets a chance to learn from when they're watching film. He gets a chance to grow from as maybe it's a health issue. He doesn't feel like he he's moving that crisply. Uh, but but it, look, it's a minor disappointment for, you know, for a young kid. You know, you like to see kids be willing to do that. I, I guess the other side of that could be he could also be out there chasing stats and chasing block shots and being undisciplined. Uh, you know, so that's maybe there's one negative to take or maybe one positive to take from that, that when he was on the ball, he was very disciplined. Uh, just when he was off the ball, he didn't offer up much help. And, and I think at his at his length, especially and his athleticism, he, he could be a major factor in, in rim protection and not just on the guy he's guarding, but also offering help. But. It was a good matchup watching him go against Ball and Limba, and it really spoke well of Ball and Limba for how they battled Washington and Nicholson because both those guys have two to three inches on him, on them, and it was a very competitive game throughout. And like I said, Gary West only pulled away in the fourth quarter when they really started to amp up their defense. So moving now to best game, best team, best player. This is our weekly feature that we're going to do where each of the three of us will talk about the best game we saw during the week, the best team we saw during the week, and the best player we saw during the week. Hopefully they're not all from the same game, but they can be if it's just blatantly obvious. With me, I'm going to double dip a little bit on the best game because yesterday there were five games at Southport, two of which were extremely good. I mean, really all of them were good. And but but the final two games of the day for me, the best game or the second best game of the night was Lawrence North versus Cincinnati Moeller. And that was a double overtime game. And it was it was it was a, a really extremely physical game. You know, the, the headliner for for Moeller is is. Uh, is Logan Duncan, the six six nine center from um, Cincinnati that's that's committed to Indiana. Uh, they also have two other Division One committed players. Alex Williams, who is a six foot five inch senior shooter, is committed to who's built more like a defensive end, is committed to um, Furman. And Aiden Noyes, a six foot six, six foot seven inch wing, who is committed to Richmond. Both are outstanding shooters. They also have Evan Mahaffey, who is a six foot seven inch forward with offers from, he's a junior, I'm sorry, with offers from Xavier, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Miami of Ohio, and Western Carolina. So without question on paper, Moeller came in with more than enough firepower to compete with, with, with Lawrence North. 
And that game was was really a back and forth affair. And you know, the three headed monster of uh, Shamar Avans, DJ Hughes, and CJ Gunn, they lived up to their billing. Uh, not that that's anything anybody calls them other than me, evidently. But they they definitely lived up to the hype that that they have going into every game. You know, they Avans controlled a lot of possessions. He was great down the stretch. Uh, Hughes battled dunk them the whole game and that was that was fun to watch you know watching them because look Duncan Duncan's got three got two or three inches on him and he's extremely long and he's he's not I mean he's a thick he's a he's a thick kid he's strong his body will change a lot his freshman year at Indiana but he is definitely a load inside and I and I thought DJ Hughes did a, did a remarkable job on him he held him I'm going to say to 13 or 15 points. Duncan was still a factor on the boards last night. And what I liked about Logan before getting a little deeper into Lawrence North was how well he passed the ball out of double teams. We talked about that with Jalen Washington. Logan has a great sense for where they're coming from and was extremely effective as Lawrence North tried to double or dig. And really, they mostly dig. They didn't double a ton. But, you know, the, the gun, gun was – there was a point in the fourth quarter where I thought, you know, CJ didn't really hadn't done much this game. And then all of a sudden he kind of exploded. So he hit a big three late in regulation to give them a lead. And Moeller quickly, you know, took it back. And, you know, the final minute was kind of, was sort of, a you know, they, there was a couple of lead changes in the final minute. Overtime was kind of the same way. Uh, Lawrence North goes through some stretches where they, where they try to pull Moeller out to guard them the entire half court as opposed to maybe more of a really not much of not really a pack line, but, and then Moeller to their credit came out and got him, And, and especially in the first overtime, um, tried to do different things to him. They, they kind of went into a little half court trap and, and tried to shake up, shake up Lawrence North. And it just didn't really, just didn't really phase him. And then A. Vance and, and Gunn both were able to make plays in, in the overtime periods, and, and eventually they prevailed. It was, it was a very good game. Uh, definitely, you know, definitely worth the top billing of the night. And they were, um, you know, they got, they got good contributions from other players, but the three guys that, that headlined their, their games each night were the ones that, that came through on the day. So... But the top game of the night was the game right before it, which was Fort Wayne Blackhawk versus Silver Creek, a rematch of last year's rematch of a game last year at the same tip-off classic. And the shot making in that game, especially from Jacoby Cooper or Cooper Jacoby, I do that a lot. Uh, it was incredible. Silver Creek playing without Trey Kaufman last year fell behind the. Or, I'm sorry. Last year they fell behind to Blackhawk as Kaufman battled foul trouble, and Jacoby moved over to guard first, and and w- did an effective job. So with Blackhawk having a pretty decent sized lead lead last year, Silver Creek finally got some traction, came back, and actually kind of won the game going away. Kaufman came in, had a better second half, you know, and they they definitely were the superior team last year. This year, Blackhawk came out again on fire. They were ahead 20 to 5. And then Silver Creek just started pecking away, pecking away. And as the game got tighter, 
Cooper Jacoby got going. I, I want to say he ended up with 37 points. He was hitting threes. He was hitting post-ups. He was hitting shots off the drive. He he had a couple of really nice mid-range post-ups in the pa- or mid-paint post-ups where he turned around and just fired a jump shot. Uh, he was sh- over anybody. It didn't matter who was guarding him. He, he got to the foul line. He shot well, at least late in the game. I didn't wasn't keeping track in the first half. It wasn't keeping track really at all, but he definitely was hitting his free throws late when every single possession was was pressurized. And he was great. And, you know, also great on the defensive end. I will say that Caleb first had a, had a good game. Another kid that understands and takes on double teams well because Silver Creek pretty much dummy trapped him the whole game. And he was he was good out of it. They definitely weren't going to let they didn't want first to beat him. You know, now they had other guys step up. You know, the main ones there are Zane Burke and and Marcus Davidson. You know, Burke and Davidson are both extremely good shooters. And then Burke is able to score off the dribble, too. And he was – they did a lot of ball screen action with with First, where First really would kind of slip it or really had no intention of taking it, basically forcing his man to make a decision, approach the ball screen, how are they going to guard it, and then First would dive away, and that would sort of create this vacuum where, where Burke could get to the basket. They also got a lot of pr- production out of Jake Boyer who had some huge baskets late. He was able to take contact and finish plays. And, and you know, Blackhawk, eventually it was just too many weapons. And they they finally pulled away and, and won in the second overtime. I, I mean, they ended up winning by like nine or 11. And there was it was definitely not, you know, a two-overtime game. It was obviously the point spread's not indicative of how the game was played. But but for my money and where we're going to slide into is, is best player, bypassing best team jacoby cooper was the best player i saw this week and 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 it's not necessarily just about talent it's about performance you know i mean it was he was everything to them you know brandon northern had a great game for silver creek he definitely deserves credit because he i think he matched jacoby's scoring or was right there with him but i i thought when you consider the responsibility that Jacoby has had defensively, you know, they were doing this deal too, where whenever a shot would go up, Jacoby wouldn't even really worry about the rebound on the defensive end. Not to say he didn't rebound on that end, but, but his primary, his primary task was to make sure first didn't get a rebound. And, and Caleb, again, he had a really good game, but he had to work for everything. And, you know, Jacoby, Jacoby was really good on both ends. And I think Toledo's going to definitely get – they're definitely getting a steal. I've been a believer that Jacoby's a kid that that I think some – maybe somebody in the power six or seven conferences, the top six or seven, uh, should have taken a look at him. And I think he's going to go to the MAC and be a terrific player. And when Trey Kaufman comes back, uh, Silver Creek will be right on task to, to win another state championship. So – the best team I saw a week, I'm going homer on this, is Carmel. And I, it, it's not so much it was the best, you know, look, Lawrence North is good. Silver Creek is good. 
Blackhawks good. Um, but as well as Carmel played, and I think this is where we're gauging this, as well as they played against Noblesville, it was the final three quarters was basically a dissection. They were extremely sharp offensively off the basketball, and they're very hard to guard, which I like. I like when teams have a lot of off-ball movement. I'm a motion snob. I fully admit it. And and I'm as a Carmel guy, I'm pleased that that's how they win games. It's fun for me to watch, and it it's late in the game when they or when the other team start. I mean, not even late in the game. When the other team starts to tense up a little bit and starts to feel like they're they're losing their grip a little bit and overextend to try to make plays. Carmel has ways to beat you that way and you know it's it's tough to disrupt them without just physically overwhelming everything they try to do and you know it remains to be seen what happens when they get up against teams like Lawrence North those will be great games Lawrence North Pike you know teams that can match their length and Noblesville is pretty young they, they do play they do play two sophomores. They are playing it without one of their best seniors. And they're, re- they're relying a lot on guys who aren't yet, with a couple of guys who aren't yet proven to be good defenders. They've got, they've got, um, they've got two or three guys who can't defend well. But one thing, I, one thing that's noticeable about Carmel is Carmel will put a, can put almost any lineup out there where everybody on that team is good defensively or even better you don't get out there and not be at least a willing defender and they they've got a lot of guys who can do that and they've got two or three who are just lockdown kind kind of guys and when when brian whitell is playing as well as he's playing now this is a tweet i sent earlier you know him and Suter are a tough combination and right now they're not getting they've not gotten a whole lot out of charlie williams charlie's battling he's working but he's again he's He's taken the brunt physically of teams just keen on him and pounding on him. And he's what he's been battling the most is foul trouble. But what what Suter and Waddell have been doing, especially with Waddell's scoring, you know, that's a that's a tough combination. You know, and you look at what Lawrence North has, and Lawrence North certainly will be able to match up with them, you know, talent-wise. Um, you know, but that's that's gonna be a great matchup. And you know, look at the look at the types of defenders that Pike has, and you know, you look at what what might happen if Ben Davis is full strength, if the, you know, if in you know the time they get a chance to play Carmel. Uh, but but this this past week, Carmel was really really good, especially the final three quarters, and they shot the ball well. They're getting a little bit more production out of you know they're getting a little bit more consistent production out of Goya, who's just a kid that doesn't look to shoot. He's definitely extremely steady and and with the basketball. He, he he's a playmaker for, in terms of finding people. And what I've liked about Suter is there, there's been a couple of there's been some stretches. There's been one game where he you know he didn't score a whole lot against Zionsville. You know, but he's been able to rack up assists and he's been able to create shots for others. And that's a new part of his game. It's not that he didn't look to do it in the past. But it, but it's also something that, um, as Waddell has gotten healthy last midway through last year, and has progressed into what we thought he would be all of last year, which was this versatile six seven, 
scorer who's extremely difficult to guard away from the basketball, a kid who can shoot, score off the drive, post up in certain against certain matchups, and Suter's the same way. But what Suter's been able to do is tap into his playmaking, and he's basically finding Waddell at every chance he gets. And, you know, it was it was fun to watch. It was Coach Peckinpah at Noblesville is a former player of mine, so I, I I feel badly for him. I know they were they were anxious for that game. They were definitely definitely looking forward to playing it. And I imagine they're going to be a much better a much better team and a much tougher out come March, just as they were last March uh, when when they took when they took Carmel down to the wire. So in the sectional. But Carmel gets my best team, as I said earlier. Cooper Jacoby gets my my player, my best player for the week. Uh, we a lot of options to go there, but you just you just look at his overall performance against first, and and it's just it's too too obvious to pass up. So I think that about does it for the week. We are getting closer to Christmas, which means we're getting closer to you know, midweek tournaments, I would say so far, barring any unforeseen or barring any issues that we don't know about, I think schools, athletics directors are, are handling cancel or postponements extremely well. Um, I We definitely appreciate the schools that, that are still welcoming media. I would say between the three of us, we've only been turned away from one game so far. And that's good. We appreciate that. I think anytime these guys get a chance to get exposure, it should be taken advantage of, you know, because we don't know what we're going to face, even though the vaccine, you know, there is a vaccine or multiple vaccines on the horizon, which is great news. But still, there's an appreciation for those schools that that realize that if if they close out everybody, then you know, that loses some of the reason why they play. You know, it's, let's face it, part of the reason why some of these guys play is to get exposure to use basketball to go to college. And there's no way around it. The wholesome, how whatever approach you take, a lot of these kids are using basketball to get to college. And that needs to be remembered by anybody that's involved. Um. So we appreciate those ADs who have been really good on making on helping us get in. We also appreciate those coaches who are are helping us as well with letting athletics directors know that yes, this this is you know it's a legitimate online publication, and you know the the games have been what they normally are, enjoyable, and it's it's a big entertainment value for me in the winners, and you know each winner and. This season so far is, is uh, I think, is going as smoothly as can be. It'll be interesting to see what happens in January and February when there's not as much room to rearrange schedules. But much like football, the athletics directors are doing an outstanding job of juggling that stuff. And and um, they give us some more midweek games, which is always good news for a guy like me. So. Getting to our sponsor, BoxOut Sports is the leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team 
and student athletes this season. You can sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. Christmas Addicts is still leading the way in terms of usage of that. And our own Zach Tyler is doing a great job with it. He enjoys it. He enjoys making the graphics for with the, to help, you know, for the kids that are playing. And I, I know they've been pretty popular. It's a great program. It's, you know, I don't know what the consumer value of it is just yet, but I know from a school or organizational standpoint, uh, it's it's definitely a great value. So I would highly recommend looking into it, and they do a great job of helping you out uh, with with anything you need as far as their their online tools. Courtside Indiana podcast is on Apple Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well as SoundCloud. You could subscribe via each each service by using their apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. On behalf of Zach Tyler and Barney O'Neill, I'm Jim Reamer. We appreciate you listening. And until next week, stay safe, everyone. Mm-hmm.